Welcome to the Fearfully and Wonderfully Me podcast, a podcast designed to help you increase your influence, develop your leadership, and maximize your results. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Today's episode is going to be a great episode. I've got a special guest joining me, and her name is Joanna Bloor. A perpetual adventurer and self-described startup junkie, Joanna spent her early career scaling and building brands like Ticketmaster, Cars.com, OpenTable, and Pandora. Then life threw a surprise at her, and she found herself at the beginning of a new adventure, an adventure that led her to ask why, when we talk about ourselves, do we talk about our labels and our past when our ideas are about the future? Joanna's on a mission to help us all learn to talk about the future you. Joanna, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, and I'm excited to talk to you. Well, I'm excited to have you. Um, you and I had a conversation a few weeks ago. It was the first time we'd ever um, talked or met officially, if you can say a Zoom meeting is an official meeting these days. And, uh, you know, it was just so cool to, when I started talking to you and hearing you talk and what you had to say. I was like, I knew... I wanted to get you on the Fearfully Wonderfully Me podcast because when you started talking about how you help people learn to talk about the future you and you call yourself a potentialist and I just fell in love with that term. So tell me where, tell me a little bit about that term and where that came from and all that good stuff. Oh, goodness. Do you want the long version or the short version? <laughs> I mean, this is, and I'll start by saying this is the thing that after deciding to call myself, and I call myself a potentialist and aspiring fairy godmother. There's a whole narrative there too. <laughs> after I realized that that's what I wanted to call myself, looking back retrospectively, I realized it was actually something I've been all my life. I just didn't have a name for it. Mm. Um, somebody actually said they were, uh, what was it? An angry optimist at the moment. And I said, a pissed off Ooh. optimist. That's what it was. And I was like, oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, and although you've just said I, I don't call ourselves labels, I do think how we talk about ourselves says a lot about who we are and what we're all about. And mm -hmm. I love the idea of potential and future and like what it is you can do tomorrow. Mm. Because what I had and where I came to that, to get back to your question, is what I had learned so many times in my life. And I actually, interestingly enough, went back and counted the other day because I was writing an article about this, but I've had since 1984, um, when I was just a little teenager, I've had 13 times that life has wrenched everything that I thought I could control out of my hands and said, you need to try again with whatever it was mm. um, and everything from, I moved from uh, Southeast England to central Texas as a teenager. Wow. You want to talk about wrenching everything you knew out of your hands. <laughs> I, Ultra shock. <laughs> it was huge. I mean, I, I thought the whole thing was absolutely fantastically hilarious a lot of the time because Texas is a life into its own. And mm. I was a little too bouncy and jolly and happy for England. And I joke that, you know, I went from the equivalent of Hogwarts without boys or magic 
to Friday Night Lights in the way of school, which you can imagine <laughs> was a bit of a surprise to a Hogwarts student. Um, to that, to, you know, I was uh, part of the dot-com world for many years and had to live through the dot-com bust in San Francisco where it was really bad mm. in the early 2000s. And so much of that, so much of life can throw things out of control um, that I realized that every time life had had thrown me one of those situations that I was absolutely one of those people who would kind of look at the situation and go, well, hang on a second, this is not okay. And whatever I was doing yesterday is no longer going to serve me. Mm. And I need to figure out a new way of doing that. And so I would start to figure that out. And, you know, I was so fortunate to be early stages in the whole really world world of the internet and the world wide web that it also meant that i did that with technology too and so became very um much a technology optimist um and potentialist and what i got known for professionally is certainly within the startup world was actually figuring out the potential of technology and how could we take this new thing that no one really understood how to use and use it in ways that are original and different and not maybe what the use case is. I mean, literally this morning with my team, uh, they shared a new tool with me for salespeople. And I looked at it and I was like, well, this is very cool. And I said, well, actually as a person, you could use this tool. And if you did it this way, and we had a whole conversation about a completely different use case for a te technology that's been built for sales organizations, um, and so this whole thinking of what can you do tomorrow that our value as people, whether we are getting paid for it or not, is our ability to do things tomorrow. Um, our value, how people choose to engage with us is so much based on our potential justified by what we've done in the past that I'm like, why aren't we talking about this? And as somebody who has led really big teams, really small teams, has scaled multiple times. Like I, I look back at my most recent, you know, working for a company job. Um, and I ran a team at Pandora where we went from 30 employees on my, in my org to a little under 400 in three years. Wow. Yeah. It was a little banana. It was a lot bananas, but boy, did we have fun. And not once, not once, did somebody come to me and say, oh, I'm hiring somebody or we're adding this person to the team. And we were onboarding probably 50 or so people a month at kind of the peak. Um, not once was it based on just what was on their resume, what they had done in their past. And there was this almost unspoken conversation um, about somebody's future. And they'd come to me and they say, well, I think they can do this tomorrow. And when I stepped out of Pandora and really started thinking about it, I came back and I said, well, hang on a second. This is a universal truth. Every decision made about you and your opportunities is made in a room that you're not in. And it's based on your potential justified by what you've done in the past. And I sat here and I said, well, hang on. If, if that is true, then hold on a second. And I'm actually going to say it again because everybody when they hear that last statement kind of goes, wait, what? Mm -hmm. That every decision made about you and your opportunities are made in a room that you're not in every single time, whether somebody wants to 
go on a date with you. Somebody wants to marry you. Somebody wants to be your friend. Somebody wants to work with you. Somebody wants to hire you. All of it. Now, the good news is you also get to choose but somebody makes a decision and I say room in air quotes, that room could be just in somebody's head. Mm-hmm. Sure. And I sit here and I go, why aren't we? And it's all based on future and potential and what you could do. Like all of my very, very best friendships are based on stuff we did in the future together. And then we were like, oh, this is super fun. Let's do it some more. Um, and how do you, how do you start thinking about it and articulate it? And I say, okay, if the, every decision made about you and your opportunities is made in a room is, is a true statement. It is. Um, then what do you, what can you do about it? And can you actually think about how to talk about this future you person as you are interviewing for a job, trying to get the promotion, trying to navigate a career pivot, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I think you can, and it starts with like, who are, who are the people who are talking about you? Do you know who they are? Um, and if you do know who they are, do you know what they're saying about you? And is what they're saying about you what you want them to be saying about you? And if not, how do you change that? And part of the work that I do now is actually to take somebody through that entire journey of, well, how am I talking about myself? And how can I actually start using potential language for myself? Because when you start to share your potential, the people who choose you not only choose you for what you can do, but you get to have, you get to actually offer up what that is. And, you know, I come back and say like the clearer you are about who you are and what it is you want and how, how that is valuable to somebody else the easier it is for somebody to say yes to you and yes to you in the way that is unique to you. Um, mm. It's not actually saying, oh, I need to look like, look and sound like everybody else um, because everybody's, everybody's potential is different. We all have something different to bring to the table. And I come, I, again, I come back to the Pandora experience, you know, of those 400, about 300 of them had the same title. Um, and yet we were obsessive about making sure they understood their unique value within the organization. And when you really start to unpack all of that, um, not only does the individual believe in their potential, because you have to have self-belief to do this too, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, but then if you're sharing it with other people, then other people's belief in you and your abilities goes through the roof. And it, it all winds back to this whole idea, I talk about being a perpetual adventurer, that the career path doesn't have to be this very linear up and to the right thing. The career path is actually way more fun when you treat it a bit like an adventure. And specifically, and I talk about you know, having, having control wrenched out of your hands, which I think so many people at the moment are really suffering from, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. COVID, weather, fire, the, like the list goes on for this year. It's a little crazy. And I sit here and I say, like, um, if you take your career path or your life as a little bit more of an adventure, when, when you slide or slip or you trip on the mountain, even if you injure yourself a little bit, you figure out how to put a little medicine on the wound. You figure out that actually this is part of the journey and maybe it'll help you find a different path. Maybe it'll help you 
reach another mountain, like all of the analogies work on actually going out and adventuring and adventuring in itself is actually way more fun when other people are along for the journey as well. And it allows for you to not only understand what is my potential, but teach other people what it is and then come back and say like, this is actually going to be a fun journey. And yeah, there's going to be some horrid bits where it might rain or um, <laughs> you might have run out of some key ingredients or the batches don't work, like whatever the analogy is that works for you, but you can, uh, you can actually tough those out because at the end of the day, human beings, and I know you are, you are quite the expert on this, human beings are the most amazing, resilient, creative people. And I think often when things get tough, we forget that about ourselves. And I go, God, no, all of the ingredients are already there. You just need to tap back into what is yours. Mm. Oh, I love God. that. And, and you know, when you're, as you're talking, it comes to mind that um, you're talking about people, you know, who are maybe applying for a job or something like that. But this really applies to an entrepreneur who's trying to be clear about who they are and what service they provide so that they can attract their clients. This Absolutely. applies to a speaker and, and they're trying to be clear on what's their message so that they can, can share that. I mean, I can just see how this applies to just almost, almost all of us because we don't, we don't always talk about terms of our potential, which is what we can do, how we can help someone else, the problem that we can solve. And um, you gave me a really cool example. So I would love if you would share it where you asked me um, in our first conversation, um, what would I hire Cinderella for? Oh. So <laughs> this is a fairy godmother. Yes. I just, and I was like, well, I mean, I, it's been a long time since I read the Cinderella, but it just what I remember, I would hire Cinderella to do housework. And you were like, you blew me away. So talk about that if you would. <laughs> yeah. And I actually, cause you're right. This is, uh, I want to come tap back in because, um, you know, because we all have different career adventures, it's not necessarily working for somebody and for, um, for entrepreneurs and specifically for speakers, so much of what people buy is actually you mm, yes. as opposed to your product. Right. Um, you know, I've, uh, I am so much more inclined to purchase a product from somebody when I understand the people behind it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, now, unless, you know, I think there's obviously, you know, eggs, toast, milk, et cetera, but even then, and then I think this is what's interesting about the world today is, um, we are, we are caring so much more where our eggs, toast, milk, et cetera, comes from. And what is the story behind it, which is, and I sit here and I say like, why you should also be telling your personal story, but the, the Cinderella narrative, as I call it, is as equally for the individual to say like, how are we not, how are we missing the conversation of potential, but then also for employers looking at their teams and really not making assumptions about who somebody is. And I'm actually going to take a step backwards before I get into Cinderella specifically and put it in the frame and I'm going to put it in the frame of technology and software because that is the world I played in for a really long time. Mm -hmm. Because when you're building software, it doesn't matter what it's going to do. And I'm completely simplifying this. There are kind of three elements that you have to think about. There's the database layer, mm -hmm. which is what is all of the information about the thing you're doing? There's right. what we call the, the business logic layer, which is how does if then that, if then that sort of statements all over the place, very complex ones. 
And then there's what they call the user interface layer. So what will the user see on the front end? So it's where all of the design and the color and all of the, how do we, is should your button be blue or red or flashing or not? All of that comes into play. Um, and, you know, we think about that in the construct of software. We also think about that in the construct of products in general. And I sit here and I go, why aren't we thinking about that when it comes to human beings? Because we all, when we talk about human talent and their potential, we're living in the database layer. If you think about, like, let's take Cinderella as an example. Like if she showed up at your front door to be hired or your office, um, she'd probably have a resume. And what a resume does is give you a bunch of, there's a little bit of UI in there because there's some company names that tell you a story about somebody mm -hmm. um, and the logos that happen with that. But mostly it's a bunch of keywords. And those keywords are just labels. And you think about Cinderella's, um, like she's got, her logo is pretty terrible because her family was not awesome. Let's be real. Um, <laughs> and, you know, if you're thinking about what she would have on um, a resume, it'd probably be word, words like organized and attention to detail and really good at getting things done and meeting deadlines and a very base operational. And if you think about, even if you take the Disney story, like what would most people kind of originally, like what potential would you think there is for Cinderella? You would say, oh, she'd be really good at like being maybe a cook or um, cleaning my house, mm -hmm. right? I think everyone would be like, yes, I would hire her as a house cleaner. Plus she's got a delightful personality that goes along with that. So she'd be really lovely house cleaner. And I sit here and I go, okay, take away what would look at what you would see at the database layer. So your assumptions about what it is she's good at and actually look at the entire, and I am going to use kind of the Disney version of this because it's, it's the one that most people remember. Right. Um, and you look at all of the elements and I go, gosh, there's so much more that Cinderella could do based on her potential. And I'm, I'm going to rattle through my top 10 favorites. So okay. one, um, she is really good at getting things done. Like the woman is unbelievably resourceful. If you think about the beginning of the story, they had no money, they were selling furniture, and yet the house was spotlessly clean and she managed to keep dinner on the table. Two, and one of my favorites, especially as somebody who used to lead big teams, um, she can get other people involved in her project without a title. Mm -hmm. She doesn't need power. Um, she actually uses enthusiasm and personality and all the things to, act, to get the birds, the mice and all those good sort of things to help with her. Mm -hmm. Three, I would put her in front of a customer because boy, is she great at dealing with difficult customers. Hi, the stepsisters. And then <laughs> while I am not this, she would be really, really good with a very ambiguous and unfocused boss. Hi, the stepmother. Mm -hmm. And this is all, all before the fairy godmother has shown up. And I actually want to talk about that moment when the fairy godmother sh that shows up, because this is why I call myself an aspiring one. When the fairy godmother shows up, the fairy godmother never says, you, haven't, you have weaknesses, Cinderella. You need to fix all of these things. You are not enough. This, all the fairy godmother does is says, you are fantastic. And you want to get to the ballroom floor. That is your goal, which I will also give Cinderella credit for that she was, she is clear about where it is she wants to go. She owns her own adventure, for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. um, and she comes in and she goes, you know, I want to get to the ballroom floor. And the fairy godmother goes, fantastic. 
And if you show up at the front gates without a nice fly ride and some nice outfit, and you're not in a ball gown, they're not even gonna let you pass the front gate, let alone through all of the decision makers that you're gonna have to get past just to get to the floor. So I'm gonna get you past the decision makers. I'm gonna help make that really easy for people to say, yes, do join us. How do you become part of the consideration set in the room that you're not in, right? It's literally what the fairy godmother is doing. Mm -hmm. um, so that by the time you get to the ballroom floor, it's, it's your job to figure out how to have a conversation with the prince, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's all the fairy godmother does is she says, well, this whole situation here is making it really hard for people to say yes to you. And so we're going to sort that out so people can say yes to what is actually truly the right story about you. Because the story you're telling right now is a story of um, you shouldn't be in the ballroom, right? Mm. That's the story that it's telling. And I sit here and I say, like the professional equivalent of that, and it's probably the most common one I hear, is the number one answer I get from people when I talk to them about, well, why are they good at what they do? Like, what is it they are awesome at doing? And they say, look, I'm really great at getting things done. And I was like, well, A, super boring, because that's what everybody is known for, <laughs> everybody. And so that's not very original, but also like that's table stakes in the world of work. Like if you don't get things done, you get fired. It's right. so simple, <laughs> right? And so I sit here and I go, why are you messaging the thing that you could get fired for if you didn't do it? And really what you're messaging there is that I'm just a machine who will come in and do my work. Um, and I'm not this brilliant, sentient, thinking human being who can do, go do cool th things in the future. Now, I caveat that with, if in your life, you are actively making the decision that when it comes to your work, that coming in and being really great at execution and doing your work and being able to leave work at work and go home and that your personal life for whatever reason is actually the priority in your life. All good. Message it all day. It's fine. Um, mm -hmm. cause I don't think everybody has to do the, I want to grow. I want to change. Like work has different roles for different people and that's in there. So I'm gonna come back to Cinderella. Sure. So I think we're at five now. I said she was really good at goal setting. So number six, and this is one of my favorites. Um, she is really smart about taking what look like incredible risks. I just want to point out to everybody listening that she got inside a carriage that used to be a pumpkin. <laughs> right? I know if I was there, like I believe in magic in a big way. I think it's awesome. I, be I believe in all of this, but I sit here and I go, if I had seen that, I'd be like, wait a second, I need you to magic that backwards and forwards a couple of times because I'm not exactly sure I'm not going to get crushed inside this thing. Even I'd be like, wait a second. And I'm a pretty, I'm pretty comfortable with risk taking, but no, she hops right in. It's all good. Um, then let's get her to the ball. Hello. She understands when you are engaging with customers to create almost a wow experience because making that first impression is really important. And if you remember, she shows up, the, she's one of the last people to show up at the ball. She makes that big entrance down the staircase. So pretty much everybody turns and looks at her. Like that's the, do you have a powerful way of introducing yourself? The very first impression, she's like sorted, 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 sorted. She ticks all of those boxes, which I think is fantastic. I'm going to judge her not on her dancing and her talking with the prince thing because, um, 
well, that's a whole different conversation. And I don't actually love the narrative that a prince needs to rescue anybody. I'm all about rescuing oneself. Um, <laughs> but let's talk about the end of the, the conversation. And you think about when the bell starts to toll, which is her message of, look, the project is coming to a close and you need to wrap this up. She chooses to actually get the project across the finish line at deadline, granted like slides over the finish line on this one, <laughs> but at deadline over keeping something that's important to her. She mm -hmm. understands how to make priorities. And when I talk about that, we're talking about the shoe on the stairs. And we are not talking about a lame flip-flop from like Walgreens or CVS. We are talking about like a Christian Louboutin Prada glass situation. And I dare any woman on the planet to say that they would leave that shoe behind. <laughs> it just wouldn't. And yet she understands she needs to get the project over. Now I will, and I think this one, I'm at number nine. This one's a little fuzzy. And I think I sort of give her credit for this one because then we get into a whole other conversation about the story and the whole rescuing thing. But in leaving the shoe behind, she also leaves a very clear breadcrumb for her customer so that they can find her again. So she really understands. I say she kind of theoretically understands the sales cycle and how to, how to actually close a deal, so to speak, mm -hmm. um, which is it's a bit of a stretch, but I still like that, that one. And then number 10, and I do think this is important, is she does all of this with a fantastic attitude, a collaborative, fun, positive, can do, all of that sort of stuff. And I sit here and I go, those 10 things in just using the Cinderella story paint such a different picture about who she is and what she could do in this organization. And so instead of coming in and saying, look, I'm gonna have you be somebody who cleans my bathrooms, I'm gonna sit here and go, wow, you have such insight into the customer experience. Maybe I should put you in my you know, customer service organization mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and see what you can do there. And boy, I wonder if, um, we, we shouldn't give you an opportunity to try out being in part of our sales organization because clearly you, you have the potential that is innate to who you are and your value as a human being that you're already showing capabilities in this area. And if we just give you a little guidance around that, could you actually become so much more than you thought you could be? Mm. And that's when the real magic starts to happen. That's when employees just, I find, blossom in so many ways. And, and not only as individuals, because they suddenly go, wait a second, I do have potential. It's that same conversation when we have a teacher. We've all got the story about a teacher we had when we were in grade school who said, well, you could be this. And we were like, wait, what? We, I can be that? Mm -hmm. The more you have those conversations with people, the more they feel safe to experiment. They are excited to come to work. They are excited to, to collaborate. Um, and I, you know, for entrepreneurs and for anybody else, like the same thing happens. Like none of this adventure that we're going on is done alone. Um, and if you come back to, well, what could we do together? What is the potential here? As opposed to falling back on the standard labels that we're also used to and actually start talking about like, what is our programming and making, making it easy for people to say yes through the UI layer, um, then we all win at the end of the day. And we all feel pretty good in the process. 
I love that because it really kind of comes down to, you know, the foundation of self-belief, right? If I don't believe in my potential, it's going to be really hard for anyone else to have as much belief in my potential and, and, and vice versa. Sometimes when someone else believes in us, it helps us believe in ourselves, but, but we don't really talk about that a lot of times. Um, Something else that I found interesting that you said is you were talking about um, how women are rewarded for not taking risks a lot of times. So touch on that. Sure. So this is where we're going to go down a whole rabbit hole because there's a lot to unpack there. Because not only am I unbelievably curious about the potential and future of people, but I'm also very curious about the potential and future of technology. Mm-hmm. Um, and in doing that and how I think is I'm, I try to be really observant of patterns and why something is something and why is it, why is it hard to say yes to things? And as somebody who was a woman in technology for very many years um, and you know, not to toot my own horn here, but actually quite successful doing so. Um, I mean, I, I can't code, well, I can code a tiny bit. I'm not exact, I'm not an engineer, but I certainly understand the space. Um, I was always surprised how few women were in the rooms, how I navigated my career very differently. And I will, I will absolutely own that because I speak funny. Um, I absolutely (laughs) leveraged my very proper British accent to help me. That was part of my UI layer, literally. Um, Helped me come across as somebody often, well, I thought I was always, I always thought I was smart. I just, people believed it faster with the British accent, (laughs) Um, which is, I was all like, well, if you believe that, then fine. I am totally going to leverage that. But I was always curious about not only women, but like how generations were different in the workplace. Mm -hmm really coming back to this narrative and had and still have a lot of passion and energy around why is the conversation around diversity in the workplace, age, skin color, gender still there. And um, I get as a fundamentally a business person at the end of the day um, and somebody who studies and observes the whole sales process and the whole, how do you grow your business? I was like, gosh, the, the ROIs and the KPIs that we're using for this just seem to be wrong because there's not a situation ever where I, when I have looked at talent or I have gotten a job where somebody has said, oh, well, we're going to hire so-and-so because it's going to increase our bottom line. It's always, Um, based on this idea of potential. And I was like, well, are women then messaging this more or less than men? And um, as I started to think about the whole construct of the workplace, I also align it very much to really the construct of dating because you date a job. Even Mm. as the CEO or founder, you date an opportunity until that point, at some point in the future, you will have to break up. Now, break up could look like fired, Breakup could look like your company has folded. Breakup could look like I want to retire, but everybody has an end point. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, it, this is not a happily ever after, forever, forever situation. Um, 
And so I sat there and I was like, well, gosh, are there any correlations that I can map to here? And what I realized in looking just at the dating construct, what is true about that construct is in today's world, in today's culture, certainly in the United States. And I keep asking my 20 year old friends whether this is still true. And they're like, yeah, pretty much. Is that the boys do the asking always. Mm. Um, I am, as you can probably already tell, I'm a lot of energy. I have a lot of confidence. <laughs> I am quite determined that I will do what it is I want to do. I'm very headstrong, ambitious, all of the words. And yet, and my, my husband is literally the most introverted human being on the planet. And I say mm-hmm. this with confidence because he last year spent 297 days at sea by himself on a 43 foot sailboat. Wow. Yeah. There's a whole different story with him. On too. purpose. And on he purpose. Did this- <laughs> oh. There's so much to this story that is so horrifying. He did actually change his pants for, I think it was four months, something crazy. Wow. So, yeah. Um, but I come back to the, he, he asked me to marry him, not the other way around. Mm. Now I kind of knew it was coming, but he did the asking, which then means that by the time a straight guy is 30, he has on average five hundred percent more experience asking for what he wants than a woman or somebody who's not a straight guy right five hundred percent and i so i go hold on a second that's an insane advantage and i sit here and i say okay um that means that a if a woman is sitting across from a man asking for a raise a promotion the business no wonder we're not asking for ourselves. We're actually having to couch it as an ask for some third party benefit, whether that's a person or something else, it doesn't matter. Because the man across from us culturally is not used to a woman doing the asking. Mm-hmm. Don't get me started if it's a woman asking for a woman, um, because we're just not used to, we're not we're out of practice in that construct. Um, why are we not surprised that because we are less practiced at asking, we're also less practiced at, well, you know what? And this could get really uncomfortable. And, and this is not, there's the bad example of this conversation and there's a good example of this conversation. And let's just lean towards the good example of this conversation is that, um, no, I don't want to go out with you. With women is often the first answer and they don't actually mean no they're like work a little bit harder at this and or we change our mind the bad version of that i think we all understand and i think that Mm. may be part of the problem here but i sit here and i go look they've they've learned that um they need to come at a problem at multiple different angles Mm -hmm. to actually get to what they want and then you start to really look at you know early childhood development and all of this sort of thing and both who we are as people and how we're educated. And I challenge anybody to look at, especially those people who have uh, both genders of kids. And I say gender lightly because I think all of that is up for question too in some situations is, um, you know, do, are you messaging to your girls this message of perfection? Mm. And, um, I know in watching my peers and thinking about my life, the, um, you need to be an A student. 
um, rewarding, look, well done for getting that thing done. Um, look at all of your accomplishments, look at all of your awards and stars. Um, girls respond and are rewarded for being perfect. There's a reason why the majority of high school valedictorians, salutatorians, and college valedictorians and salutatorians are girls because, boy, tell us what it is we need to do. And we were all like, absolutely, mm. not a problem, <laughs> crossing it off the list, et cetera, et cetera. Even into, like, I think mothers, um, and especially during this time of COVID, I just go, wow, you, you are all amazing. Because the idea of not making it happen, even when it's complete and out of chaos, is something that you do that is just breathing. And so we're rewarded for protection, perfection. Like, um, you know, I was the bane of my mother's existence because I didn't act much like a little girl growing up. And I came in, often I had torn my clothes, I was covered in mud. I had usually hurt myself in some way, shape or form. And she was just like, really stop. Like, can't you just, uh, my, one of my sisters was a little tidier. We were both, we were a little bit rambunctious, but um, this whole idea of being messaged to this whole idea of perfection. And I look at, you know, TikTok and Instagram and all of the social media, and it's continuing to actually reinforce this message. Whereas boys, and if you think about social media as an example, are absolutely messaged to, you will be rewarded if you take risks. Mm. Like, I guarantee you, that a girl did not come up with the crazy idea to eat Tide Pods. Absolutely. <laughs> and if I am wrong about this, I will absolutely, I will, I will go on record on it. But I just don't believe that that's the case. And you, know, you think about, um, like you think about the leaders in this industry, and I say leaders with quotation marks around it, this is not an endorsement, but you know, the Kardashian brand messaged us this the whole idea of the perfect woman. And that by the way, and I, this is a joke from a comedian that I can't remember her name, but I was like, oh, this is so right. And they were like, if you buy this lips pencil, um, your lips will move, change from this to that and you will be perfect. Whereas um, you think about some of the male YouTube stars and they're practically trying to kill themselves on a regular basis. And it's really about, you know, what crazy stunt can you pull off? And perfection's none of the conversation. And you know, whether you are a business owner or an entrepreneur, um, the reality for you is business evolves and business changes. And if you lean too much on perfection, although, you know, good customer experience and good process is important, but if you don't think about innovation and change and growing with your market and evolving with your customers, well, then your business is completely destroyed. And you think about who, um, who do we give opportunity to? Who do we invest in? Um, who do we do that? It's the ones that actually message vision and have shown that they are comfortable taking risks. And so mm. often I see women message, look at what I have accomplished. This was perfect as opposed to here's my future vision and my big idea. And, I, for, and that is just on the binary of women and women. Again, I think there's a full spectrum of, I've absolutely worked with guys who, who have a bit of a perfectionism problem too. And I've absolutely worked with women who really color outside the lines in a big way. And the question I then come to, back to is, okay, if this is all true, then for your life, 
for your career, for your adventure? Are you considering this and who your kind of air quote customers are, the people you want to engage with? Are you considering who it is you want them to engage with? And if it's, as an example, if you want them to engage the perfect you, great. And as somebody who absolutely owns that I was for a very long time, and I do think we all actually have to go through this phase in our career because you still need to get the things done. Um, but when I messaged, look what I'd done versus what I was going to do was when I got managed out of positions or they said, oh, well, we need, we need a new boss for you. Or I didn't get invited to the room. And um, I think for a lot of my career, that was fine because I was in such a learn phase in what it was I was doing then I was good. I was like, that's fine. You can make all the decisions you want. I'm really good with where I am. But as I grew and learned more and evolved, my my ability to do exciting new things increased. And it meant that I had to start thinking about how do I get into the room where the decisions were being made. And that was when I started having to shift talking about just my accomplishments and also then also talking about my potential. And it transformed um it transformed opportunities across the board mm. so some really great points definitely some some things to think about and how we talk about our potential i love that joanna thank you so much um share with our audience how they can find you or connect with you um, if they're interested in learning more and, and thinking about that and all that good stuff awesome well very easy i am at joanna Bloor on almost everything mm -hmm. so twitter um linkedin a little bit on instagram we've certainly got the youtube channel up um, and you can also go to joannablore.com um yeah there are i think four other joanna Bloors on the planet we all know each other because no. <laughs> well because i was like ladies i'm about to go crazy with our name are you ready um and so we have a little group help group of the Joanna Bloors helping each other out. <laughs> we are one brand on that, on the label level. Uh, uh, but yeah, really great way. Yeah. And I am <laughs> prolific in sharing ideas on how to think about the, the potential in the future you. And I, you know, I extend an invitation to everybody. I host a live show every Friday at noon Pacific time. And you can find registration and links on joannablore.com on how to come to that, where we have a um, live show where we talk about how to navigate this ambiguous future for somebody who is a professional, um, specifically things like if you're looking for a job or you're looking for a career pivot or you found yourself and you're like, wait a second, what's working? For, really, what, if today is not working for me professionally, how do I figure out what tomorrow should be? And have little different shows there. And I show up every time in sequence because y'all need a fairy godmother and frequently do what I am famous for doing, which is one of the Joanna magic transformations where I literally do the fairy godmother magic on somebody live in the middle of the show. And uh, it's a fairly dramatic transformation as Cinderella's was. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's a fun way of doing a before and after, but they can find all of that on joannablore.com. Yeah. Awesome. Joanna, thank you so much. I know that there are some people taking notes and, and writing down and thinking about how are they talking about themselves and their potential and kind of shifting that conversation. So thank you so much for sharing. I really appreciate it. I know everyone else does too. 
Rhea, you are magical yourself. And thank you for inviting me along to talk to your audience. And uh, I wish only the best future and potential for you too. Oh, well, thank you. All right. Uh, well, take care. Stay safe and um, keep making, keep making um, magic, I guess is the way to say that, isn't it? I love that. Thank you. <laughs> take care.